Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, healthy feet and hooves are extremely important for bulls, especially heading into breeding season. Dr. Chris Clark at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan talks about what to look for to prevent hoof ills in bulls and cows and the groundbreaking equipment being used at the vet college to trim cattle hooves and treat those foot problems. The Dumore Agriculture Foundation announced the launch of its 2023 campaign to raise awareness about mental health in agriculture. The campaign addresses the stressors those in agriculture face, such as weather uncertainty, market instability, and financial pressures. Executive Director Megs Reynolds will share the details of the Talk It Out campaign that encourages conversations about mental health, promotes resources, and support for those struggling with mental health challenges, and help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health. After the break, Dr. Chris Clark. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Dr. Chris Clark is with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan, and he is an expert in treating foot problems in bulls and cows. So, Chris, we know that healthy hooves are important for bulls, uh, especially during the breeding season. Maybe just give us a little more detail about how important hoof health is. The bull has got to be able to roam that range looking for the cows that are in estrus so that he can breed them. There's two parts to this. One, when animals are lame, their feet are hurting, they're in pain. It's an important welfare issue. But secondly, those animals will not be productive. And so doing anything we can to reduce foot problems is important. And while we talk about all cattle, I think bulls have this like really special role because when you think about bulls and what it's like to handle them, if they go lame during breeding season, they're really hard to like catch and deal with the lameness issue. And secondly, you really need them for that six weeks of the year. So if they go lame during that, you may have open cows, you know, you may have animals that are not pregnant, which means you're carrying open cows for the year. You've also got issues where that pain and the drugs you're using may actually be reducing their fertility. So even if they're getting around and breeding the cows, they may not actually be getting them pregnant. And so people often ask me, should I trim beef cow feed? And the cows, I think if they're not overgrown, you know, it's a luxury. But I just think you're expecting that bull to do so much in six weeks you really want him to have the best possible feet going into breeding season. I would guess that obvious signs are that the bull is limping or the hooves might be too long, but are there any other signs to watch for that will give a hint that there is problems on the way or maybe just below the surface? You caught two of them there, I think. So, I mean, obviously, if the animal's limping already, like, just giving my shot of antibiotic is unlikely to be effective. Like, you need to find out what it is, especially if, like, breeding season is only four weeks away. Like, you, the clock is ticking. So if he's limping, that's a problem. If the foot is obviously abnormal, and the, the two things we see most commonly are long toes or twisted toes, what we refer to as a corkscrew. 
and those really screw up weight bearing. And then the third thing I would look for is swelling in the leg. But the other thing I will say to you, I mean, I was literally trimming a bull this morning and uh, the producer brought him in because he wanted to get a trim done in advance of breeding season. And we, we had this discussion and yeah, the bull had got a bit of a corkscrew, so we were gonna try and clean that up. And the owner said, no, otherwise he's doing okay. And I got him up on the table and started to trim the other foot to clean it up and just tidy it up a little bit and discovered a massive abscess that had been in the sole. And then the owner suddenly said, oh, you know, he was a bit lame about two weeks ago. But because he brought him in today, we were to get, were to get that abscess opened up, clean it back. It's starting to heal already. And so that bull is now going to be ready for breeding season. So some of these things, you don't know they're there until you get someone to look at it. So just looking at the feet can give you a really full sense of security. So let's talk a little bit about the equipment that's used to trim cattle hooves and treat foot problems. I understand that uh, you've got a very unique device that uh, you use for this treatment. Some of the students saw it being used this morning for the first time and were just full of questions. I was trying to explain to them, it is a one of a kind. There is nothing else like it in the world. It was originally designed by an engineer from Humboldt, and he designed it built off a car lift. That was back in the mid-70s. R&D, a company in Saskatoon, took it out in about 2016 and completely rebuilt it. So the best way I can describe it is sort of a giant hydraulic claw that's on a pillar that we can sort of grab the animal from its back. And then we can lift its feet clear of the ground and flip it through 90 degrees so that it's laying on its side and we have perfect access to its feet. It is literally one of the most amazing engineering pieces of equipment I've ever used, incredibly safe. And we can lift bulls up to 3,000 pounds and do a really nice job on their feet. Now, do you find that the animal gets used to this movement after a couple of times on that device? Actually, it's a really good question. The first thing is, because it's it's squeeze-based, right? We're using hydraulic arms and airbags to actually squeeze the cow. It's a little bit like a squeeze chute. And we know that when you squeeze cows, it actually sort of calms them down. So that first bit is there. What I've noticed over the years is cows get used to it. So you, if you put up a cow several times, and we've certainly had to do this with some uh, lame dairy cows, once they realize you're there to help them, they do get used to it very easily. Bulls, on the other hand, they actually get a little bit more apprehensive, I think. I just, I think they don't quite understand that we're trying to help them. We are pretty good at handling them, so we can get them on the table most of the time. Do you find that producers uh, tend to handle foot and hoof problems on their own, or do you find that they call on professionals like the ones at the vet college to do that job? I think it's going to depend actually a lot on where you are and what your resources are. I mean, typically, the vet college, we certainly do bulls for quite an area around here. And some of our clients are some distance away and they know we've got the facilities and the expertise. They'll trailer a a truck full of bulls two, three hours to get it here to get them trimmed. Some producers have sort of developed the skills themselves and have kind of got the technique of pulling up especially the hind legs with a rope and and trimming them standing in a chute and then there's a lot of commercial foot trimmers who've got a variety of chutes and tilt tables who'll go out and do bulls 
on the, the producer's own facilities. And I'm assuming then that spring is the busiest time of year for getting this procedure done? Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking the analogy I would use, which is, you know, if you were going to take a really long car trip, you would like to get the vehicle into a mechanic and get them to do it once over before you left on a 2,000-kilometer car journey. And these bulls have got a lot of work and a lot of distance they're going to cover, and you don't want them breaking down during breeding season. So, you know, we've really, I think, won the battle of getting producers to understand that getting a, a breeding soundness evaluation on a bull is worthwhile. I would add to that general annual maintenance, getting the feet cleaned up. Because in the end, the feet are what deliver the testicles to the cow. We worry about making sure the testicles are healthy, but they've got to actually get to the cow. So we need those functional feet. Dr. Chris Clark is with the University of Saskatchewan Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. After the break, Megs Reynolds with the Do More Agriculture Foundation shares their 2023 Talking It Out campaign. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The Do More Agriculture Foundation has launched its 2023 campaign to raise awareness about talking it out regarding mental health in agriculture. Do More Ag Executive Director Megs Reynolds is with us. And Megs, uh, this is very timely, uh, especially during the very stressful spring seeding season. It's always important that we be looking at our mental health as, as part of that bigger picture. But as you just mentioned, we are, you know, starting the year off, in, especially in the grain sector and moving into seeding and planting. And with that can come um, additional stress, tension, worries, as well as uh, reduced sleep. So, Megs, tell us about some of the stressors that are commonly faced by producers right now. Well, one of the biggest stresses in agriculture is that uncertainty of, you know, are you going to get the weather that you need throughout the growing season? Are prices going to be where you need when you're selling? What's going to happen with government regulations? So there's just so many pieces that are outside of our control that stay as unknowns, um, you know, until, until something changes. But that those can weigh heavily on a person. And then, of course, you have other dynamics that are, are more unique to agriculture where you are living where you work. So there's no real separation from work. Um, That's always, you know, you're always looking out the window and thinking about the things you still need to do. You're working with family, which can be incredible, but it can also come with additional challenges. And uh, then, of course, there's that multi-generational piece. You still have about 96 to 98% of farms in Canada being family-owned and operated, many multiple generations. So sometimes you have that pressure especially when times are hard and and economics may be challenged, that you're worried that you're letting down multiple generations that built that operation, or possibly you're really worried about, do I want to hand this down to the next generation and put this type of life and stress onto my children? So there are a lot of factors. And then, of course, there's the stigma surrounding mental health, where we have been a very stoic industry and we don't often show what we're thinking or what we're feeling. And so this campaign is really geared towards highlighting that we all have similar thoughts and we're all connected in what we go through and how we feel and that it's really important to be having those conversations, especially if we're thinking that maybe someone in our life um, is, is needing a little bit of help or is needing to have a conversation. And that's where the Talk It Out campaign comes in? Exactly. The, the campaign Talk It Out is 
is really trying to break down the stigma of starting that conversation. So with this year's campaign, really focusing on those thought bubbles to show, you know, this is a thought that this person might have. And I know many people in agriculture can look at those images and say, I've had that thought or I've been there. So really normalizing, you know, that we're, we're again, in this together and the importance of having those conversations. I, you know, I think back to when I was grain farming and this campaign really hits home for me. I hit a lot of what I was thinking and what I was feeling and what I was fearing with a smile, but that didn't always mean that I was in a great place or that my mental wellness was in a great place because of those fears and those stressors that were going on in my day to day. So can you share some thoughts or perhaps some strategies that producers can use to talk it out? Best way is just to to call up someone that you feel comfortable with and start a conversation. And you could start that by checking in on them. If that's easier than saying, hey, do you have a minute? I just, I got something on my mind I want to talk about. Um, Or if it's someone in your circle that you're worried about and you've maybe seen them acting a little different, you can say, hey, you know, I've noticed these couple of things the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm concerned about you. I'm here if, you know, if you want to talk. I'm, I'm worried about you. Are, are you okay? Um, or you can head to our website, which is domore.ag. And we have a whole resource page for all of the support numbers across Canada, um, broken out provincially. Or you can also go to our, kind of our, our uh, knowledge library and learn a lot of other, maybe it's tips to manage stress or it's more tips to how to start a conversation or um, a blog post about what you can expect when you're calling a therapist. And this is a year-long campaign? This is, you know, Talk It Out is is a key messaging with Do More. We really focus on on having that conversation, bringing awareness to mental health, destigmatizing mental health. And again, if you're looking to learn more, uh, you can connect to our website. There's also different workshops running across Canada through our community fund with FCC that people could check into. Those are all listed on our website as well. And if anyone's looking to support mental health and agriculture, you can also donate to our website. And Megs, any final thoughts? Just that there is no weakness in reaching out for help. Uh, We all need help at some point. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us or that doesn't mean that we're less than. It just means that life can be hard. And that it gets a lot easier once you start that conversation to continue to have the conversation and that talking to someone is better than talking to no one. Megs Reynolds is the Executive Director of the Do More Agriculture Foundation, the national voice and champion for mental health in the agriculture industry. And these are the top agriculture stories for the week of May 15, 2023. With the release of the U.S. Department of Agriculture May WASDE report, wheat futures rose between 10 and 30 cents. The global wheat outlook for 2023-24 featured lower supplies, trade, consumption and ending stocks compared with the last crop year. Global production is forecast at a record 789.8 million metric tons, which is up 1.5 million. Larger crops in Argentina, Canada, China, the EU and India are partly offset by sizable declines in Australia, Russia, Ukraine and Kazakhstan. The largest increase is in Argentina, where production is expected to recover from a significant drought. Ukraine production is forecast to undergo a sharp decline of 21% year-over-year, mostly due to the war with Russia. 
The global oilseed outlook for the year shows higher production, crush and ending stocks compared with the last marketing year. The CEO of Nutrien said the company may consider slowing down its previously announced plans to ramp up potash production because of falling prices and lower sales volumes. Ken Seitz said the company lowered its earnings guidance for the year to between $6.4 to $8 billion, down from a previously announced range of $8.4 to $10 billion. The Saskatoon-based company and world's largest fertilizer producer has net earnings for the third quarter are down 58%. It's been a volatile period for Nutrien, which achieved record earnings in 2021 and then saw fertilizer prices spike in March of 2022 as the Russia-Ukraine war shook up global agricultural markets and reduced supplies of fertilizer from Eastern Europe. Nutrien has suffered what it calls a historic decline in the pace of its potash shipments. Bee winter kill was generally lower the past two years, but there are still some troublesome regions in Saskatchewan. Apiculturalist Jeff Wilson spent part of the month traveling around different regions of the province talking to beekeepers. He indicated there are no firm numbers yet, but many beekeepers are reporting their findings. And he says mites continue to be an ongoing issue with a shorter period for the bees to gather nectar last summer. There's concern that a dispute between Canada and China could have economic consequences for Canadian agriculture. China expelled a Canadian diplomat in Shanghai after Ottawa told a Toronto-based Chinese diplomat to leave the country. Todd Lewis, second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, is hopeful the tensions will blow over. Lewis says Canada is doing a good job of diversifying its international markets so that we're not so reliant on China. The Canadian Agricultural Safety Association is encouraging motorists and farm machinery operators alike to pay attention, drive carefully and share the road. This is Canada Road Safety Week. According to Canadian Agricultural Injury Reporting data, there were 33 deaths due to traffic collisions between 2011 and 2020 compared to 59 fatalities between 2003 and 2012. And legislation has passed that will see the establishment of Food Day in Canada. The House of Commons unanimously passed a third reading by Senator Rod Black's bill that seeks to establish the day, thus ensuring that it would become law. The idea of Food Day Canada was championed in 2003 by late food journalist and food advocate Anita Stewart when she organized the first Food Day in response to the BSE crisis. The first official food day in Canada will be celebrated on August 5th. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends and subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.